Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Everybody, welcome to a special edition of Roundtable. I'm your host He Yang. In around the Chinese New Year is a season of family festivity and fabulous journeys. In this series of shows, we unwrap a globe-trotting adventure with exclusive interviews highlighting the most exciting international travel destinations. Let's jet set together in this festive time. Switzerland is famous for its picturesque mountains. Precision watches, delicious food, especially cheese and chocolates. And if you're a huge tennis fan like me, it's the homeland of the legendary Roger Federer. Switzerland is also a haven for winter sports enthusiasts. All right, these might tread on familiar ground, but aren't the positive ones just like vintage wine better with time? To offer a fresh and enlightening perspective today, and to delve. Deeper into the rich experiences of traveling in Switzerland, I'm thrilled to have a special guest today, Danella Kiani, the director for Greater China at Switzerland Tourism. Welcome to Roundtable. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. So, what's the best way to experience Switzerland's charm? What unique experiences should first-time visitors to Switzerland absolutely not miss? Well, there's a single answer, and. The best way to travel to Switzerland for the first time is definitely by train, bus, and boat. So by public transport. The reason is that you can capture all the best of Switzerland, but also the hidden gem at the same time. So you can see the cities, the bustling cities, and、uh, also the hidden valleys and quaint little villages. And I would suggest if you're coming from China to Switzerland, you're probably flying in either in Geneva or Zurich, so you can start there, and then venture out to some of the mountainous regions. So, for example,、uh, hop on a panoramic train like the Golden Pass from Montreux, and go to Interlaken or Lucerne, and discover the Jungfrau region, the Lake Lucerne region, or the Matterhorn region. You can spend a couple of days there with no problem. All right, and you know, Spring Festival marks one of the most important and longer vacation times for the Chinese people. Some head home for a family reunion or a staycation. Others head out for traveling, and many Chinese tourists head overseas again. Have you spotted some travel preferences or travel habits maybe unique to Chinese travelers? Yeah, absolutely. I would say being here now for almost two years in Beijing,、um, Chinese are very curious travelers. So they really love to explore, and they really like to dive into the culture of the country that they're visiting, which makes them amazing guests. So when they come to Switzerland, they want to see a lot in a short time. Still, you know, we Europeans we usually we go somewhere we like to tamping, we, we go on the beach or we maybe you know we we, we take our time, we take things slowly.、Uh, but Chinese really, if they go to a destination, they want to make the best of it, and they plan the itinerary accordingly. So. Many Chinese, even my colleagues, have seen many places in Switzerland that even I haven't been, which is amazing. Yeah, when Chinese travelers go to different places, of course, you know, you kind of carry your own habits with you. One thing I can say for myself and some of my fellow、uh, compatriots is we like our hot water, regardless of the time of the year. I can say that you know there's a fair amount of Chinese travelers like us. We do that, and sometimes traveling to European countries, it can be a little bit of a bummer when you can't find the the kettle in the hotel. And I guess some、um, is probably a necessity for Chinese travelers to bring with them. Or you know, have you seen some of these、um, 
more sort of Chinesey preferences or you know behaviors, or maybe these things have changed gradually throughout the years from your point of view. Absolutely, and I mean we are a tourism country, so tourism is an important part of our economy. So we are making sure, and we're famous for our hospitality, that we really. Uh, take care of the needs. So we have presences in 35 markets exactly for that reason. We are here in China because we need to understand the needs of Chinese travelers. Just recently, I made a little qualitative survey among the Chinese travel trade to kind of understand what the needs are of the Chinese travelers, especially post-pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the topics that are important? What do the guests wish? And uh, the result was very good. So uh, basically, the good news is that most guests are uh, very, very happy with Switzerland. But of course, there are small things like um, information should be available in Chinese. Um, so we recommend this to our partners. And the payment methods is another topic. Mm-hmm. You know, for many Chinese, it's important that they can use digital payment methods uh, that they have in China here. And I'm happy to report that 80 to 90 percent of our tourism destinations are already covered with Chinese payment methods. And then there are small things, as you said, the the kettle in the room, for example, which is already common in most places. Um, and the good thing is about Switzerland, the water is very, very, very clean. So what most Chinese don't know is actually when you travel in the cities and you have all these beautiful water fountains, you can drink the water from there. It's fresh. And even every tap, you can drink the water from there. So there's no need for plastic bottles. This is something that we sometimes get that people are asking for water in plastic bottles. Well, you don't need them in Switzerland. That's fantastic. Okay, so then just bring your own cup and then you can... Or as is custom in China, you know, that the big tea cups that you have already, that you see everywhere, where people carry around hot water or tea, you can bring them to Switzerland and fill it up everywhere you go. Oh, that's wonderful. And yes, indeed, payment is a big thing for Chinese travelers. And I guess it's similar for most people when you go to a new city. And in the 21st century, apparently one of the challenges, or maybe it's become a bit of a routine, that is a new city, a new set of apps. And if you can use the typical payment apps that we have here in China, then that's a really much more convenient way to buy and consume. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's good information to have. And from cultural nuances to diverse preferences, how is Switzerland gearing up to welcome the varied tastes of Chinese travelers? Or maybe can you talk about some of the varied tastes that you've already noticed that have been exhibited by Chinese travelers? Yeah, I would say, I mean, Spring Festival is an important season in China, uh, especially not only in China and other countries as well. It's celebrated more and more. And um, it's actually a fantastic season to travel because it's off season in Europe then and also in Switzerland. Switzerland is a four season country, so it's actually always open. It's always possible to travel. There's always a different dress that the country is wearing. But February is one of the end of January. February is one of the lowest seasons, especially if you want to ski. Because Europeans and Swiss, they will ski around December, you know, around Christmas holidays, and then everybody goes back to work. So it's a fantastic time to travel to Switzerland because you'll have less people and you have more shoulder season prizes in the destinations. And uh, many of our destinations are really gearing up for the spring festival. So they have decorations everywhere. Now, of course, the theme for this year is the year of the dragon. So, for example, on top of the Jungfraujoch, which is the highest railway station in Europe, very, very high up, you will find the eye sculpture of a dragon. 
Wow! And in the terminal of uh -huh. the train, you will find the, the decorations, you know, Chinese lantern, there is a Chinese restaurant. Then on the Mount Ricky, we call it, uh, this is actually my home region, we call it the Queen of the Mountains, mm -hmm. it's the official name. And uh, they have a discounted buffet lunch that Chinese uh, can, you know, enjoy during the, not only Chinese, every guest can enjoy during the spring festival season. And um, then there's also in the same region, we have Mount Pilatus. This is not a special thing for the year of the dragon, but we call it the Dragon Mountain, actually Mount Pilatus. And even the logo is a, is a dragon, looks like a Chinese dragon. So I think that's a special mountain that Chinese have to visit during the dragon year. Indeed. And yes, and this year, I think it just gives it a special reason for people to go there and Dakar sort of... Um, well, it's not really seal the deal, but it's more like check, punch in, and I've been here. And that's um, also, you know, just what people do and take pictures and share on social media. Isn't that what we want everybody to do if it's, um, you know, for promotional purposes as well as, you know, just sharing your personal experience, that kind of thing. And winter tourism is all the rage here in China with winter wonderland Harbin drawing millions. But did you notice that the friendly banter between Switzerland and Harbin's tourism uh, chiefs has sparked social media excitement here in China? And how critical is social media in tapping into the hearts of potential Chinese visitors? And I know that you have some experience in marketing and media in uh, outside of China, obviously. So could you offer a bit of a comparison, you know, what's special in trying to get your audience here in the Chinese market? Yeah, I think everybody who wants to do any kind of promotion in China needs to understand and be active in Chinese social media. It's uh, really the heart and soul of the operation and where people are every single day. If you take WeChat, you cannot live without WeChat. There is no life without WeChat. And I think what also makes uh, the Chinese market a little bit different from the European market, for example, is that word of mouth is so much more important. If you see your friend, your family member, even a distant person being somewhere and liking something, then you will have a high trust that this is a good thing. So we are trying to uh, be active and stay up to date with the very dynamic social media environment in China. But we also want to work with creators and key opinion leaders here in China and invite them to Switzerland so they can show how they experience the destination. Yes. Also, you mentioned, well, social media here in China can be the heart and soul. I used to think that isn't this the same everywhere, like in this digital age, you know, you've got your TikToks and your Douyin's or the likes of it and also WeChat and also so many uh, lifestyle sharing apps. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought that, you know, audiences all over the place, they're probably getting their information or at least their trusted experience recommendations from social media. But you seem to maybe imply that it's different, maybe in the European market in that sense. Well, tell us more. Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely similar. So social media is very important mm -hmm. everywhere. But I would say 
For example, in Switzerland, in most European markets, the website is still the place where they get the trusted information. Hold on, the website? The website, exactly. <laughs> uh, we have a fantastic website that unfortunately very few people, of course, visit here in China, uh, which is fine. But I would say um, for for like official information, for like curated information, the website is still a place where people go to get travel tips next to social media, of course. But that's very different in the Chinese market. In the Chinese market, it's often social media first and uh, mobile first, Yeah, you know, while uh, I would say for in-depth research in Europe, people still like to open the desktop and look at the big picture there. That's fascinating. That is quite a bit of a difference, actually. And what do you see as maybe some of the biggest challenges in getting to potential travelers or, you know, your audience today? In China specifically, um, I would say the Chinese market is a huge market. So first of all, where do you find your audience, right? We are not targeting 1.4 billion people normally. Of course, we would love to welcome all of them to Switzerland, but that's not realistic. So where do you find the audience? And um, in China, it's often our approach has been to go via communities, to go via niche segments. Because for example, Switzerland is an outdoor destination, so we will target outdoor communities. So we have to find them, work with them, uh, the skiing communities culture communities, for example. Switzerland is also a culture destination. We have wonderful museums, we have wonderful classical museums, concert halls, festivals, all these kind of things. So how can we access that network? I think that is one of the biggest challenges in the Chinese market. And the second biggest challenge is that it's a very dynamic market, I would say. You know, trends move much faster in China. And if you want to stay on top of the game, if you want to stick out, because there are a lot of people competing in this market with us as well. So how can we stand out and and how can we show our unique selling proposition as a destination? Yes, and how have you managed to sort of try to overcome these challenges then? Yes, and this is one thing I've noticed about the Chinese market as well. That is, you know, it's very easy to sort of lump sum 1.4 billion people together, but actually there are such diverse tastes, preferences, and pensions and what they want to do within, you know, the boundaries of this country. So how have you sort of verified and sort of try to catch those niche people one by one, one a time? <laughs> it takes a long time if you want to reach 1.4 billion people. <laughs> but no, um, I can give you a little bit of a teaser for one of the campaigns that we have this year. And it's going into the direction, whatever you need is, because our current uh, slogan for the past three years has been, I need a holiday, I need Switzerland. So it's always been this, I need a, a ski adventure, I need Switzerland. And this year will be more in the direction of whatever you need, you will find it in Switzerland. So this is kind of the inside and the delivery. But I would say we have been very, very consistent in this market for many, many years. So we opened our first office here in China in 1998. And since then, we have been here. We have consistently uh, built our network. Mm. We are working very closely with the local partners. We have a completely local team, except for me. I'm localizing. <laughs> but it's very important for us to deeply understand the needs of the market, the local culture. How can we cater to the local culture? And um, I would say that is something that we really benefit from. So if you look at the history of Switzerland tourism, we have always been consistent in what we promote. So. That is something that I think makes Switzerland very special. My uh, my colleagues, for example, when they go to Switzerland um, and after the pandemic, the first time they went to Switzerland, I asked them, so, you know, has anything changed? And nothing changes. And that's 
kind of a stability that we have. So for for 150 years, we've been promoting nature first over everything. Mm -hmm. So there's nature. Our nature is what makes Switzerland unique. That's why people come. And then afterwards, you can do many things. You can discover culture. You can discover the cities. You can discover food. You can discover local festivities, all these kind of things. But it's this consistency that kind of keeps like a burning an image into people's minds. Yes, I was reading some of the comments online before the show, and people mentioned this video of the Swiss countryside is what I took. And bear in mind, this place looks no filter good, and that's how clean, how beautiful the place is. And I was wondering, is there a vast difference between, let's say, you know, this? Pristine, beautiful country scene that I just portrayed for you, as opposed to you know the big cities and、um, you know urban life. What are some of the different things that people could do when they visit the rural versus urban? Yeah,、um, I think there is a reason in China you say "xiao rishi" when you see a beautiful landscape,、uh, which I think is is one of the effects or results of hopefully our marketing as well as a destination. But I would say, I always describe Switzerland as a huge garden.、Mm. So I grew up in a huge garden, and it's much more dense. Everything is much more closer together. It's a tightly knit network. But in between, you have these mountains and valleys. So Switzerland seems small, but if you iron it out, it's actually a big place. Not as big as China, but I would say the best way to travel in Switzerland, whether you come for the first time or whether you've been many, many times, is this kind of hop and spoke approach. So you choose. A destination, maybe a city, and then you venture out,、uh, because from the city, I mean, our cities are not comparable to the sizes of of Chinese cities. Beijing has three times the inhabitants of whole Switzerland. So,、mm. our cities, I mean, the biggest city, Zurich, has not even half a million inhabitants. So that doesn't mean that there is less offering. Actually, we have a huge amount of offering on a smaller scale, and、uh, it's brilliant if you're in Zurich. In half an hour, you can walk up on a mountain in the city from the city center. In one hour, you're in the capital in Bern by train from Zurich.、Uh, the longest distance you can take is from Zurich to Geneva. It takes three hours by train. So everything is really, really close. You can, in the same day, you can in the morning jump into the lake, have some breakfast, go up a mountain, take a beautiful picture, have a picnic, come back and go out to a concert or have a drink at a bar. Everything together in one day. Wow, that sounds like a really packed schedule, but a fun one for sure. <laughs> and for Chinese tourists, especially during you know the spring festival period, are there some special activities that they could do? If let's say you know we're up there,、hmm, can't really decide whether you know even if this is living vicariously、um, up in the mountain and also you know on flatland of let's say. One of the biggest cities. Absolutely, I would recommend to to go to one of the mountains that I just mentioned before. For example, Jungfraujoch. You know, you can take a picture of of the ice dragon、um, for the dragon year, and、um, or have a Chinese buffet lunch on the top of the Mount Rigi. I would say, but we can maybe also offer to experience kind of the Swiss Spring Festival. I call it. Did you know that we also have a Huoguo? Uh, in Switzerland, it's kind of the national dish. Oh, tell so, us more about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a little bit unusual. So we have two kinds of、um, huogua, 
and we call it fondue. It's made of cheese um, and uh, you should definitely try it. It's very different from any kind of hot pot that you can get in China. But if you want to have a Swiss style spring festival and the other thing is that we have during this period um, is our carnival. And the carnival reminds me a little bit of the spring festival because, you know, people are dressing up. There's a lot of colors. It's beautiful. You will see, especially if you go to Basel or Lucerne, where the tradition is a little bit more uh, fleshed out, I would say. You see people in the street. They're making music. There's confetti. It's just very lively and, and uh, you know, culturally beautiful. So I think that's something that Chinese can experience. Yes. Oh, just a quick follow up, though. Is the cheese fondue savory or sweet? It's savory. So am I dipping, let's say, pieces of pork, or, well, beef into it? Or that's not what you usually do? So we use bread uh, usually to dip in. And um, we have a meat fondue as well, which is a little bit more like the, the Chinese fondue, where you dip in meat and vegetables into a broth. And then there's maybe something attractive, which is the chocolate fondue, Ooh. where you can <laughs> dip in fruit and uh, some people dip in cheese. This is a bit a uh, matter of taste. All right. So you've got the savory and the sweet exactly. tooth both covered. Fantastic. And what are some of the latest tourism trends in Switzerland that haven't yet graced the pages of travel guides or maybe have been spotted or picked up by the KOLs just yet that you can share with us? Some of my best kept secrets um, on national TV. <laughs> no, um, I would say, you know, Switzerland is a small destination, but it has so much to offer. So almost half of our tourists actually are domestic travelers because we love to explore our country. And I would definitely say, I mean, traditionally, a lot of Chinese guests came to see the classics, which I also talked about, and I think they're absolutely worth it. But if you have the possibility and you have a little bit more time, and can stay longer. I think that's kind of the key. I would recommend to, again, do this hop and spoke approach and stay in the destination, venture out to the valleys. One region that I can recommend is the in the east of Switzerland. It's called Graubünden or Graubünden Zhou. And uh, Graubünden is famous in China as well. We have Davos, Davos uh, we have Shangmuritz, we have Lags, so famous resorts. But around, it's one of the biggest cantons that we have in Switzerland, the province, as we say. And you have the most beautiful, pristine alpine lakes. You have the only national park that we have in Switzerland. And you have the most beautiful hiking, biking trails, mountain peak railways. You can take the panoramic train between the different destinations. Another region that I can really recommend is in the south. Mm -hmm. It's the Italian speaking part of Switzerland. It's called the Ticino. And, um, why we haven't promoted it so much here is because we Swiss love it too much. <laughs> so we like to go there. Um, but especially if you've been to Switzerland already, um, it's just a fantastic region. You have local food, the most amazing restaurants hidden somewhere in nature. You have a vine production local. You have valleys with um, waterfalls and lakes. And uh, yeah, just this kind of Mediterranean feeling as well. Oh, lovely. And what measures does Switzerland have in place to ensure the safety and the well-being of Chinese travelers? I would say Switzerland is definitely one of the safest countries in the world to travel. So it's absolutely safe. It's absolutely clean. It's absolutely comfortable. That being said, I always think it's important to 
be mindful. Anyways, wherever you travel, wherever you go, it's important to, you know, you take care of your belongings, take care of your own health and mind. Uh, we do have a website in Chinese, a website, <laughs> um, but we have some tips so you can stay safe traveling in Switzerland and Europe. And it's uh, www.safertravel.ch if you want to have a look. Yes, well, we know where to find you. And also on all the familiar and regular Chinese social media platforms, you guys have a presence there as Absolutely. well. Yes, whether you are an adventure enthusiast seeking, a hiking trails, a skiing fanatic that chases powdery slopes, or an easygoing nature lover seeking those tranquil landscapes, Switzerland offers an abundance of outdoor experiences for everyone, as it seems. And that's Danella Kiani, the director for Greater China at Switzerland Tourism. Thank you so much for swinging by and talking with me. It's been a pleasure. As we wrap up our dialogue on tourism, we're reminded of the power of travel to connect worlds and enrich perspectives. And this discussion has not only highlighted trends and preferences, but also underscored the importance of cultural understanding and respect.